when the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. for the judges and this multi-millionaire mogul now has the best kind of goal. It is off the podium, an Olympics podcast coming to you today for an incredible interview, a massive, massive interview, four-time Olympian on the show today, an Olympic gold medalist, an Olympic silver medalist, across two different sports, if you don't mind, Valerie Malte, Canadian long track and short track speed skater, went to three Olympics in short track and one Olympics in long track won medals in both of them, only the fourth athlete in Olympic history to win medals in both the long and short track. First Canadian to ever done it. And as you'll hear me mention to her in this interview, more people have walked on the moon than have done what she has achieved at the Olympics. And it's an incredible journey because outside of both long and short track, she's dabbled in about 4,000 other sports and just achieved so much in so many different things. And it's just an amazing interview to learn about the transition between long and short track, the, the differences. There's a lot more differences than you can actually think about. And all of her Olympic experiences from Vancouver right through to Beijing, the disappointment of missing out on the 3,000-meter relay team in Vancouver through to winning a silver medal on that team in Sochi, the disappointment of getting a medal taken away from her, literally, in Pyeongchang to that glory of winning a gold medal finally in Beijing. So it's it's amazing chat that obviously covers so many different bases here. Valerie is a great interview here and also a lot of fun that you'll learn, particularly when it comes to her eating habits. And for the very first time outside of our chat with Ezra, where we had an entire episode with an interpreter on, the first time I've ever had a guest need to translate an answer. So there's something to spoil it for you throughout this interview. It's a great chat with four-time Olympic champion in the sport of short track and long track speed skating, Valerie Malte. We love having history makers here on Off the Podium, and we definitely have one of them on the show today. She has competed in four Olympic Games in two different sports, one of only four people in the history of the Olympics to win medals in both long track and short track speed skating. And outside of the Olympics, in a short track career, 41 World Cup medals, 11 medals at the World Championships, and in a long track career, Five World Cup medals, reached the World Championship podium twice since switching to the sport, a gold medalist from Beijing in long track, as well as a silver medalist 
in short track from Sochi. There's so much I could add to that introduction, but we've got to get <laughs> chatting to her. Otherwise, we're never going to get anything from her. It's a pleasure to welcome to Off the Podium, <laughs> Valerie Maute. Valerie, such an honour to have you on the show today. Hello, bonjour. <laughs> bonjour, yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like I always need to go that level as well, particularly when Colin, my co-host from Canada, is not here. I, I sound very Australian uh, often when I come into those uh, those introductions there. But uh, did I miss anything? Is there anything else you want me to add, like really good at chess or something like that that perhaps always gets overlooked uh, from all these introductions? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it's pretty complete. Thank you very much. <laughs> you're, you're completely welcome. But I should also <laughs> add Technically, third sport in there as well, because you started off in figure skating. So, uh, I mean, is there anything that you haven't done, Valerie? I mean, you're also a hockey player as well. There, there seems to be a lot of different ice sports here, but uh, I'd <laughs> well, love to Well, you learn. should add maybe, uh, yeah, I was. I actually did the Pan American Championship in the inline speed skating also. You did, so yes. Like, yeah, you wow. can do a fourth sport. There. Exactly. <laughs> I feel I feel like this is just sport bingo all of a sudden. It's kind of like we, we <laughs> uncover what, what sports you've done along the way. I, I would love to learn the story. How how do you get involved in figure sp- skating at a young age and somehow end up winning Olympic medals in two different forms of speed skating? Yeah. <laughs> I guess my journey is kind of uh wild and I think like I think as a as a kid I just like love sport and just love uh being active uh so I started as a figure skater my mom just like brought me into the sport uh, my parents like just like learn how to skate learn, learn your edges and you mentioned uh hockey uh my dad actually wanted me to be a hockey player after my uh after I learned figure skating um <laughs> I did two years of uh, figure skating and I I loved it but I really love um racing my coach at the end of the of my practice. Um, so I really, from a young age, I really love, I guess, doing a competition or trying to go fast. And so I, so in 1994, my mom saw uh, speed skating, short track speed skating at the Olympics uh, for the first time being a sport, uh, an official sport at the Olympics. And he, and the club opened at my, in my hometown in La Bay Saguenay in Quebec. And so I started the short track speed skating. And from then I never touched hockey. I'm really not good at it. I never tried it. <laughs> uh, and I stick to short track uh, for a very long time. I just love the sport. Uh, when I was young, I just, I was going to see my friend. I was just going to have fun. The Olympics didn't even exist in my mind. Like it was just like a really naive way of practicing my sport and probably healthy way of just like no pressure <laughs> just like have fun <laughs> yeah for sure which I, I love that sort of story about how y- your dad was fighting for you to do hockey and your mum fighting for you to do short track so I mean you know ultimately your mum wins in that case because mums generally always win right that's that's the secret to yeah that. that's probably why they're divorced now too so <laughs> <laughs> well hey they just couldn't decide or was that just a case of like well she's doing the wrong sport I'm out of here uh don't want to bring up childhood trauma <laughs> Thomas here at all, Valerie, but wow, okay. Um, that's sort of how it works. It's probably all my we, fault. <laughs> yeah, so it's always a child's fault, let's be honest. But it's it's fascinating to kind of learn that you raced your coach. I think there were maybe signs there that that's maybe not the sport for you because not a lot of racing in figure skating, of course. <laughs> no, exactly. And um, I guess I just, it was inside of me and I still love it very much and that's what I find 
uh, in long track speed skating still up to this day of like, it's a different sport, different challenge, but it's still like trying to be the fastest. You mentioned joining a club. I mean, sort of at that age and that period in short track there in Quebec, were, were there many clubs? I mean, the, you said the Olympics, obviously it made its official debut. Did it sort of take off more after it was at the Olympics? Yeah, after um, when it started at the Olympics, there was actually uh, a lot of short tracker uh, from my hometown, uh, from my region, I, sh- I should say, in the area where I grew up. Uh, so. In this area, there was like many clubs uh, in small towns that from the age of, um, in Quebec, actually, like short track is very popular and was really popular. Uh, a lot of speed skater and a lot of really good athlete that push you, I think, to be, uh, to be good and push you to be better. Um, and when I was 12, actually, this is where we kind of like all mixed up uh meeting like every week like uh, three to four times a week of where I, I could like really in not just like staying in my home club but like being with uh, the people from my region like really pushing ourselves like I was 12 years old but I was I started training with 17 years old who were the elite in the sport also in Quebec so wow. I think that really helped me and I think having like Olympian in 1994 1990 uh 92 like in in this like uh, in this time i think uh, it really inspired and uh motivate motivate like our our region i guess like to really have a good system of training and coaching to develop a young speed skater it's a, it's a great point you make there because yeah the unique thing about that period was we had two olympics in two years for for winter of course when they switched the cycle and massive growth for the winter olympics in terms of the new sports you mentioned mm-hmm. obviously your own short track freestyle skiing gets introduced uh, you know four years later in, in nagano you get snowboarding and curling added and sort of it's only ever grown from there so such a transitional period and a growth period for the winter olympics which is great to hear it has that impact on on young athletes like yourself who are seeing this and the ioc probably listen to this and go cool well that worked that's what we wanted to achieve <laughs> mm-hmm. and i guess it inspired like at at that moment, it probably inspired more my parents than me uh, because like I was like in 1994, like I didn't watch the Olympic. I was like four years old. So obviously like uh, I don't get to do uh, much decision at that age and just like you're going to go speed skating. You're going to do figure skating. I guess it's like, OK, but uh, all right. Sure. Yeah. All right. Might have thanked them a few actually... bits over the years, possibly since it's kind of worked out maybe so. <laughs> Yeah, actually, I cried to not go on the ice uh, for my first practice in short track. Wow. But I also cried to not come off because I it was just an instant, like, oh, I loved it. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> That's a nice balance. I like that. Yeah, don't make me do it. Don't make me do it. I'm like, no, don't take me off. That's fantastic. Wow. Do you yeah. still do that? Do you still do that when you leave the ice? Like in Beijing, were you crying when you had to get off the ice? <laughs> I cried a lot, actually, in Beijing on the ice. But uh, no, no. <laughs> not I'm quite the same. Which <laughs> yeah, outside of outside outside of the skating sports, were you active in many other sports? Say like summer sports, anything else that you sort of did as a child? Yeah. Um, so when we do short track, the season is is usually like uh, well, you, when you're younger, it's like usually like nine months a year. And uh, so I was doing, I did the soccer quite a bit. 
um, didn't really like it. I think it's just like I needed to run and I was again like going with my friends, but uh, I don't think I was like particularly like enjoying it so much. It was just <laughs> like, oh, I'm here like during the summer, like for two months with my friends. And um, I did also swimming. Um, I did the javelin. I did running. Um, and I and I wish I've done uh, diving. I think it's a summer sport that I maybe would have loved uh, to do a little bit more. But instead, I did also some com- uh, swimming competition. Finished last. Really enjoy <laughs> swimming. Maybe not the greatest swimmer, but I'm still. I, I you still tried. would go to the to swimming pool and just like enjoy it. And yeah, you try. I, That's the main thing, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I, I think like that's an important message. Like I think like as the as an Olympian, we always talk about like the the performance side, but also like I think it's important to practice a sport just because you enjoy it. You know, like it's just like I'm doing it for me, and it's all. It doesn't always have to be uh, competitive. I guess we love. I, I mean, the journeys that we get from so many of our guests who do try their hands at many different sports. Obviously, there are a lot that correlate with each other. You can kind of take that connection from, but. No, there are some obviously where, yeah, you think to yourself, well, how does that connect? And But as you say, you have fun doing it, which every kid who grows up to be an Olympian is competitive on some level, right? And you're always trying your hand at 100 different sports. I mean, gosh, if I was good at any of the sports I played, I'd be a 20-time Olympian in 20 different sports, Valerie. But here I am hosting a podcast about it. So it clearly didn't quite work out for me. So you know, <laughs> we always, we're going to try, right? And we're enjoying it as a kid. Yeah. And also did cycling, uh, road cycling, and mountain biking. Now I can see the and, cycling uh, aspect with the with the speed skating. Yeah. Right? It's all about the legs there, right? We we get a little mm. bit of a, a transfer over with that. Which yeah, it's when you're doing the short track. Did you ever try your hand at long track as a child? Uh, I tried once on my short track, uh, but being from Quebec, there was no um, long track oval except in Quebec City where I live now. And um, it was um, outside ring, outdoor rink. Um, I'm doing a joke. I'm, I'm always making the joke that I'm allergic to cold, which <laughs> recently I learned that allergy, allergy to cold exists. It's oh, true. Wow. I was like, okay, I'm going to stop <laughs> saying that. I'm sorry. For it's a real condition. Okay, right. It's yeah. a real condition. <laughs> wow. So I don't like cold. Um, yeah. So I never really wanted to try a long track because of that. But that's the main reason. The main reason, <laughs> wow. Which, I mean, again, yeah. Quebec, winter, not a pleasant time to be outside. So I uh, can probably see where that comes from. Which is, it's fascinating because, I mean, obviously jumping ahead a little bit to your long track career, but is this something that is then common that short track skaters who maybe don't have a lot of background in it do make that switch versus say some short track skaters who maybe had a bit of a background who are like, well, I'll come back to this again one day. Um, it's common to see short track, uh, short tracker going to long track. Uh, I think from being a small oval to a, a small oval to a bigger one. Uh, but we're never seeing like people transferring over to, from long track uh, and doing short track. Uh, if they ever tried short track, previously i think it's kind of uh i think like short track is really a sport a technical sport and it's it's really like like the the corners are really sharp and it's a lot of pressure in your leg and you really need to be to have a good base of technique that it's easier to apply from short track to long track 
or uh, then vice versa, I guess. So, so we're not going to see Irene all of a sudden uh, switching now that she's retired with all the gold medals and everything from the Netherlands to switch into short track. She's not all of a sudden going to go, hey, surprise everyone, Milan, I'm doing short track. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would love to see it. <laughs> but I, I think uh, she's just staying long track. Like she's amazing in long track. So I think. <laughs> yeah, she, she, I think like if a... she still have fun, I think stay long track. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fascinating yeah. to to hear that and kind of gone. Is there much rivalry like in terms of the the youth programs? Like, do you have long track scouts coming to a short track rink and going? Hey, hey, Valerie, come on! You, you you're good at this. You'll be better at long track. Come over. It's the grass is greener over here. <laughs> um. I think I always had the conversation with people. Uh, I think I really loved short track for the whole time that I did it. Um, but it's a, I think it's a little bit of a harder sport in, sport in terms of um, you're always racing against other people, like really on the track. There's all like the falls, the disqualification and all the passes that happen. I think that's what makes the sport beautiful, but at, at the same time, that's what makes the sport hard. And um, so obviously, like, because I spent like 22 years in short track, obviously like, I had the conversation with other people, like, how, how is it? And because I've seen skater from the national team going from short track to long track and have some friend who did it. And I think, um, I think it's not a rivalry. I think it's just like two different sports that it's more like, Hey, if you feel like it, you should come and try it because it's just like different. And, um, for me, when I transitioned, I still had uh, success in short track, but it was just like, you know what? I feel that I, um, I've done what I needed to do in short track. Kind of. I, I felt that, I'm not, I was, I was feeling that I was not going to get better. Like I was just like, I think I, I've, I've reached my, my peak in short track and I kind of was, was done, but I, at the same time, I had this other side of me where I still wanted to train and push myself hard and long track was really a good opportunity to keep skating in a different way. Now I'm racing against the clock. And I'm 32 years old now, but when I switch at, at 28, it's uh, 22 years of short track. It's also rough on the body. And uh, <laughs> so a long track is a little bit uh, nicer also. It's a little bit gen- more gentle. <laughs> and, and you obviously didn't keep up with the swimming to switch to swimming, unfortunately. So, uh, you know, that wasn't no, an <laughs> I think like my glutes are too heavy, so I'm gonna sink. <laughs> Possibly <laughs> right to the bottom. <laughs> straight, straight, straight to the bottom. Uh, I mean, it's yeah. fascinating to, to sort of hear that to to a switch, and you know, any athlete who was able to switch focus to a, a different sport is absolutely insane. We're we're massive fans on this show of uh, the great Estelladetska, of course. Uh, you, you know, from snowboard over to to skiing and winning those medals in the Olympics. But I always admire any athlete who can kind of completely switch that focus because even though the similarities between short track and long track are obviously there i can imagine that you train completely differently for both of them yeah it's um i thought myself that short track and long long track were much more similar than i than than they are um in a sense that like first the track is completely different the skate is different uh Yes, you still have a long blade, but now you have a clap system on your under your skate, and 
under your boot. And uh, up to this day, I'm still like uh, going, uh, oh, shoot, that's right. I have a collapse gate under me and it's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's different. And now I'm skating. I'm skating also for, I'm training for mid to long distance uh, in long track. So I'm doing a lot more biking. I'm like 60% of my training is on the bike mostly. Wow. And otherwise I'm in the gym. I'm like three to four times on the ice per week uh, compared to short track where I was like twice a day on the ice, like almost like five days a week. And I was doing a little bit of uh, weights and <laughs> other stuff. But um, so the training is quite different, but just like technically it's different, like racing also, like in long track, you need to, uh, you really need to push your limit. Like you have one shot of like, okay, you're doing a 3K and like you need to do your best performance now. Uh compared to short track where you're just like trying to cross the line first and yes, so exhaust you're exhausted at when you crosses the line you when you cross the line, but it's rarely like a really like a hundred percent effort. Like it's mostly like there's so many aspects of like technical, tactical that um that is there that it's it's different. <laughs> Does it help when you get to a mass start event in long track, having a short track background, can you use tactics that you used to use in short track in a mass start in long track? Again, I was, I was thinking that yes, but uh, <laughs> other than I'm really comfortable being around people, I think that's where uh, is the advantage of being around people, touching people, getting touch also. And like, just like having like someone rubbing your shoulder, like in the corner, I find myself really comfortable compared to people who never did short track. Um, other than that, the strategy is really different because you're, you're on a 100-meter track compared to a, a 400-meter track. So uh, the acceleration, everything is like where you take your speed is uh, all different. In terms of technology, like you mentioning the skate differential, what about like the suits? I mean, streamline aerodynamically, is it? different for I say a long track suit given you obviously got a much larger course versus that short track where you're racing in tight quarters and it's a lot different I mean does there much differences in the suits yeah the the suits are really different there's a a lot more protection in short track uh compared to long track um now like the suit in short track is 100% Kevlar or like a cut resistant like material I don't think it's Kevlar anymore it's something else but uh, and you have like the knee pad and you have the, the gloves, the helmet, glasses. Uh, when you race in long track, you have a really thin suit that it's really like a millimeter like uh, thick. Like it's really, um, it's really thin. Uh, so you feel like almost like a, you're naked and you're cold. I was going to say, like, do you feel go- switching over? You must feel naked losing everything to just have this thin piece of it. That <laughs> yeah. must feel weird. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, uh, like it's it's like we have the same uh, descent. Um, uh, the the brand who's making the skin suit, so we can really compare. Like with the technology, it was supposed to be the same, but but in uh, also in long track, we have the event with in the team pursuit and in the mass start. Now we need to um, to wear a helmet. We need to wear the protection. Also, we have a cut proof, a cut resistant um, protection inside our suit. Uh, we need to wear the gloves, uh, but it's much more thinner than what we find uh, in short track. Uh, when we compare the suit, like it's really lighter. 
Um, so yeah, the, the material, the, the equipment um, is different and the technology also there's, I would bet there's a little bit more in long chart uh, because aerodynamic is a lot more uh, taken into consideration uh, compared to short track. It's always fascinating to just hear just the little things. And as you say, you think they're going to be very similar, but obviously there's, you know, big differences, particularly, you know, Mm -hmm. at the elite level and when you're doing that. So interesting to hear that. Obviously, I want to talk about your Olympic experiences and your journeys. One one aspect that I'd love to learn a little bit more, we always love finding out, particularly from our Canadian guests, the experiences that a a Canada Games can, can bring you as an athlete because ultimately as a winter athlete, you don't have as many opportunities for multi-sport events as, say, some of your summer counterparts. I believe you went to the 2007 Canada Winter Games, won four medals for Quebec. What was that experience like? And do you see that as a nice training ground for your future Olympic experiences, experiencing a multi-sport event such as that? Yeah. Uh, we all like we often say that the, um, the, the Canada game is like uh, the small Olympics. Um, and a lot of our, well, the whole team that I went to uh, at the Canada game uh, for men and women, we all ended up like the year after or the few years after for some uh, on the national team. We were all like that group that went there, uh, ended up like uh, on the national team and competing for some uh, at the World Cups and at the Olympics. Um I think this this event, this competition, this it's really it's similar to a smaller scale uh, to the Olympics because like you have like every team you're meeting other sport, uh, you have like you're wearing your flag and you're just like proud of where you're from and so it's it's really fun. It's a fun. It's a wide opening like uh, experience because you get to learn about different sport uh, that usually you don't really see them other than just like on the newspaper quebec won the medal tally i believe at those those games explain to maybe Mm -hmm. our non-canadian listeners that rivalry between quebec and ontario because is that just the goal when you go to a game like that (laughs) beat ontario screw those guys we're coming out on top now i'm engaged to an ontarian he's not listening it's fine (laughs) (laughs) tell him to skip this part Uh, no, there's a good uh, rivalry. Um, I think it's it, I think it's fun because I think like as when you're young, like I think it's um, it make you like it brings like that feeling of being proud of where you're from. You're wearing your um, your uh, your flag, like I said, and I think like we were going to those competition like when you represent Quebec, like you want to be better than the Ontarian, and why? I think they just don't speak the same language. Yeah, and they I don't. think like we uh, <laughs> um We might need a history lesson that, here for our non Canadians, right? The the history. Why did Quebec hate uh those people here for a while? <laughs> <laughs> and I think also like because they are good they develop also good athletes. But I I think like uh Quebec also have a really good system of like we're always close in the middle count of like, uh, I need to be delicate in what I'm saying here. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want you to get you deported uh, from, you know, if you're moving no. to Ontario anytime soon. <laughs> no. I think it was back in the days. It's always like a big like competition be- between Ontario. But 
like I won my medal with two Ontarian, you know, like it's like now it's like we're Canada. Like it, it's it's not You've got the, the leaf same, on I your guess. shirt on your uniform. That's you exactly. know that's all that that's all that matters. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's 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 such a great idea, the Canada Games. It really is. And I mean, when I I lived in Canada, I lived in BC, and sort of then you learnt that each province, of course, has their own provincial games as well. Like it's just a great, great idea, which, I mean, in Australia, sadly, we don't do something like that. Uh, the state I'm from, we'd always come dead last, but, hey, we'd win one medal and we'd celebrate it like it's the end of the world, which is fantastic. But um, it's just, yeah, to get that experience, to to have a team sense representing your province, just I can't imagine just the, the effect that has on you, particularly as you're saying, you then go on to make a national team, you're kind of bonding and everything. Like what, a, what an experience to have at such a young age. Yeah, and I think like as you're – as you're saying it, like I, I think we don't realize the the opportunity and the chance that we have of uh, doing those competition to have enough uh, of a big country of like different province where we can do and create a competition where athletes from a from a young age you don't need to wait at the uh, national championship uh, to make the team you. Uh, you're going like from when you're, you're really young and you can do uh, you can do competition and there's a Canada game but when I was 12 years old I did my first Canadian championship where I was representing Quebec and I was always I was like there meeting for my sport it was not like a multi-sport uh, uh, competition but it was just like for, for speed skating so like from 12 like just like uh, traveling around Canada and just like doing Canadian championship once a year. I think it's also a great opportunity to meet other athletes and uh, have some good challenges to try to be the fastest. And let's be honest, Quebec has the best flag in Canada, right? Outside of the national flag, of course, the provincial flags, Quebec <laughs> flag, pretty nice flag. So there's that as well. Thank you. you. See that, seen that being raised. I, I just have to suck up to anybody who's from a province that has poutine. It's the greatest thing ever invented. So, <laughs> y- y- you know, there's, there's always that to come with it. Your, your first Olympics, what an Olympics to make your debut in Vancouver, home Olympics. Um, yeah. Do you remember that moment when you got the official nod, you'd qualified, you were going to an Olympic Games and it just happened to be in your home country? Yeah, it was a, uh, everything happened so fast for Vancouver um, I only made uh, two World Cups before uh, the Olympic trial. The Olympic trial um, for Vancouver, so I was not really expecting to qualify for those games. I think I was just like going into the competition. It's it's a competition that is over two weeks, and you're doing the 500 meter, the 1000 meter, and the 1500 meter three times. So it's three competition basically, and like. So it's really intense. And um, when I finished the competition, I was, I think I was sixth. And so it was a discretionary uh, position. So basically it's a group of uh, of uh, people from the organization who's going to meet uh, together and decide who's going to go. And so on that night, the competition finished on this Sunday. On Sunday night, I was taking a flight because I had to be in school on the Monday because wow. I was still in the, <laughs> I was still a student. So I, and I'm still up to this day, but I, I had like school on Monday. So it's like, I'm taking a flight from Vancouver to Montreal to go back uh, to school. And as I landed in Montreal, I had the voicemail from my coach saying that the uh, congratulations, you've been picked up for the Vancouver Olympics. 
And wow. I just screamed on the plane and I just like, <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I was, I was alone with another teammate uh, who was also uh, going to school. And I was just like, wow, <laughs> like insane. kind of like not realizing it, like didn't expect it almost like, yeah, yeah. And has a, how far away from the Olympics was that? Uh, that was in August, and the games are August 2009, and the games are in February. In February, yeah. Because it's, it's always yeah. crazy, as we always say with our winter athletes, that sometimes you don't find out until like two weeks before a game. So you had a bit more of a, a period there. So you can, you know, Christmas yeah. time. Uh, do, do, I mean, do you save that to your family and wait to like Christmas dinner or something like that? <laughs> hey, what are you guys doing in February? Want to come to Vancouver? Might know something that's going on there. Yeah, in short talk, I think we have like the uh, the great. Um, I think it's great actually that you know your team like in advance, so it's your Olympic team who's going to the World Cup and qualify the spot uh, for the Olympics. So it's uh, it's much more different than what we have uh, in long track, where you find out your team and uh, officially this year we found our team like January seventeen, I think something like wow. that. Crazy. So like. Uh, for some, like it's a little bit more like they they know because there's some criteria from World Cups and stuff, but officially, like yeah, so, it was like really last minute, a total different experience than what I had like in the, in short track. Which obviously, all all year Olympics, I'm sure you had a very different journey in terms of the qualifying. But for that first one, you find out in August, you've still obviously got a season you've got to compete in before you get to Vancouver. Is there a mixed bag there of the pressures off, I know I'm going versus, oh shit, I don't want to get injured. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you think that often when you're competing, but like you don't want something to happen to you in that period that might take that away. Yeah. I think, um, I think as an athlete, you cannot really allow yourself to think that way. I think because we need to, we need to be performant at the World Cup, we need to qualify our country uh, to have the spot at the Olympics. So I think from a young age, we just learn, I guess, to just compete. If you made it to the Olympic trial and you qualify, you obviously did some good things before. So just keep doing those things and don't overthink it. And, but I think that for me, like, I think I was seeing it that way, but I was also like, I was 19. I was just like freshly 19 when I qualified. So I think um, for my first Olympic, at least like my experience where I learned a lot is that as soon as I got the call that I was qualified for me in my head, and which was a big mistake, I thought I, I was going to end up uh, on the podium because in the history of short track speed skating, the relay for the women always won a medal uh, at the Olympics. So it's like, oh, I'm on the national team. I'm on the Olympic team for Vancouver. I'm going to win a medal. So I kind of like, I would say, unfortunately, I kind of laid back. I was just like, I got this. <laughs> but this is, <laughs> we all, I, we all know, and I know very well now, at least that it's not the case and it's never the case, I think. So how does that situation work then? So in terms of selection for the relay, do they base that on your performances at the Olympics or did they go into Vancouver knowing who would be on that relay team already? Uh, they practice the team, like a lot of in training, but also what you do in competition. And at every event, 
in in the World Cup, but also at the Olympics, there's the semifinal and the final. And so with five women who's going to the Olympics and also at the World Cups, but it's only four skater at a time. So there's always uh, um, like a, a substitute. How do you say that? Like a, Yeah, like an alternate substitute. Yeah. An alternate. Yes, there we go. Yeah. And um, so I was expecting because I was uh, the fifth uh, best on the team. I was like, oh, if I do the semifinal, it's good enough. Like uh, the girls would do the rest in the final. Like, <laughs> like I'm really kind of ashamed now to say that, but it's like, that's how I was thinking. <laughs> It's like, yeah. it will be good enough when like I'll be in the semifinal. My plan was like already like kind of like too clear. Um, so it's all discretionary how the coaches will decide who's going to be on the team and who's going to skate what and where. And on the Canadian team, at least we know even, I think the coach know always in advance a little bit, but they all, they were always telling us 20 minutes before the start of the race, who's going to be on the line. So every skater, every athlete need to be ready to race 20 minutes, 20 minutes before and just like hope they will be put on the line. And obviously for me uh, in Vancouver, my story is that I was not part of the team in the semifinal and the final. The girl won the silver medal and I didn't. I didn't because my first reaction is that I was mad. Like I was mad at my coach and I was mad at everyone thinking that it was everyone's fault. But quickly I realized that this is like the, the, the fault was mine. And I think it was a good lesson and a good life lesson of like never take anything for granted and just like work for what you want. And I think I had the conversation like years later with my coach um, after, and I was almost like, thanking him of just like you teach me something really important there that it was tough and up to this day like whether you want it or not like it it's a medal in the olympics that i didn't win because i was my expectation were just like i'm gonna win a medal like six months before the olympics it's like nobody does that or at least don't do that yeah (laughs) you can like you can like Obviously, you can be like, you can say, like, I'm able to be on the podium. I want to win a medal, but like, you need to keep working up to the day before of, of your event. Like, it's never win in advance. <laughs> Which obviously, all of that situation and then what your coach taught you and everything must have paid off because four years later, you are on that podium with a silver medal around your neck. I mean, I can yeah. imagine it's, again, a double edged sword. You go into that wanting to win gold. Of course you do. But is there part of you that I'm an Olympic medalist? This is amazing. Yeah, I want a gold, but I've still got a medal around my neck at an, an Olympic Games and soaking in that experience. Are you talking about um, Sochi? or Yes, in, in Compa- Sochi in 2014. Yeah. Um, like when I came back from the, the game in Vancouver, I made a big promise to myself and um, that – for Sochi, uh, for the games in four years, I would not give my coach uh, the choice of putting me on the ice or not. It's like, I'll be an obvious choice. And it was a big uh, motivation for me to just like do everything in my power to prove that I would be enough to be on that uh, starting line. 
and not not only I was enough, but also I was also the finisher in that relay uh, in Sochi. So I crossed the line, winning like winning that medal and like having the pressure of like don't fall. <laughs> but <laughs> it was a pressure that I was ready to handle, and we were a great team like of girls that worked together to get there. And uh, I was with actually three girls um, who were from my uh, hometown, like my home region. So we were all like training together when we were younger. So it was a a great experience to, um, and a great, again, like uh, lesson of just like when you promise something to yourself, like it's, and you put the work into something that you want so bad. it pays off and it pays off the way that we wanted. Like, I think that met all like, uh, whatever the color, I think like it was just like, I was just happy that we were on the podium because we built a team that four years ago was not, uh, that, um, was completely different because after Vancouver in 2010, uh, there was a lot of girls who, uh, older skater who retired after Vancouver, so it was a big build up that we needed to do. It, I just, as you're saying, any color, a, an amazing achievement. And I, I guess kind of going back to when you were saying you got into the sport, not really watching the Olympics because you were that young to kind of get to that ultimate level. I mean, th- does your mum at that point ring you up and go, told you so. I, I, I mean, this is the right choice for me to make for you as a kid. And your dad on the other line going, ah, damn it. Well, if you had played hockey, you would have been winning a gold here in Sochi. Uh, fun fact, actually, my my dad um, told me that he wanted me to be a hockey player. Uh, he told me only like four years ago or something. Like it's just uh, like so when I know. switch over to a long chart. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know that fact. I was just like, wow, you never told me that. <laughs> um, but I think from a young age, my parents saw that I had potential in short track. Um like people were, I know that I'm aware that people around me were saying like, oh, Valerie's going to go to the Olympics one day. My coach was just saying it, but uh, because I was winning a lot of medal when I was young. But again, I think I was just always trying to be better, like not sitting on my success. I was just like, my dad always told me like, keep working. People are working harder behind you to try to be faster than you. So uh, I like to chase people, but I being chased also was a challenge that I didn't want the others like to chase me too uh, too quick. <laughs> fascinating, fascinating. I got to say about Sochi though too. We did a episode a while back where we ranked the Olympic medals. We are that show, Valerie. We're that Olympic geeks. And my number one Olympic medal of all time was Sochi. I I thought that was a, an amazing looking medal with sort of that crystal little section in the middle of it and kind of everything along those lines i mean obviously beijing's a gold you're going to probably like the color a little bit better but do you like the sochi one a little bit better because it was your first and it just looks a little bit nicer um yeah i I think like your first is always special and uh, i think every medal is special but yeah the, the one in sochi was actually like a good beautiful looking medal and i don't want to I don't want to say like, uh, don't quote me too hard on this, but I think <laughs> the, the, the middle of the, the Sochi medal is dust from like, a, 
lunar experience or something that the Russian wow. did and I brought back that. back that. And I think it's like, I think someone told me that. But wow, makes it a little bit fact. more special Just, then. Okay, yeah. I mean, back in 2014 when we were allowed to talk about Russia, of course, but um. Yeah, wow. That's because I know with Vancouver how the story behind their medals is sort of like the the shape of the the contours of the land and how you can basically put them all together like a giant jigsaw puzzle. And I love that when they sort of do something unique with the medals. And and the Winter Olympics always have more unique medals. I mean, the Summer Olympic medals, great medals, but they're always just kind of it's a medal. Whereas I'm thinking Turin, where it was a donut, Sochi, where you've got the crystal bit in the middle of it, you, you know, Beijing, you've got sort of those weird like contour line. Like it's just there's always a level to the winter medal designs that trumps the summer ones. I feel like I'm shitting all over our Summer Olympians on the show, but stuff it. Today we can. Winter Olympians are better. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. That's all right. I'll, I'll slip, <laughs> slip that money under the table to kind of uh, go and. I have nothing to add to that. It's, <laughs> let's go with it. <laughs> all right, we'll go with it. Which I mean, outside of obviously the relay and sort of through Vancouver, Sochi, and Pyeongchang, in terms of the individual events, do you go into each of those Olympics? Obviously, you've got a mindset. I want to be on the podium, as you were mentioning before, but. Do you sort of yeah. go in with a goal and have you? did you leave each of your short track Olympics and the individual ones sort of reflecting on, on potential there that maybe didn't quite happen? Uh, I came really close in uh, Sochi, actually, to win a medal in, individually um, in the 1,000-meter. Uh, in the 1,000-meter event, I did the Olympic record that hold until 2018. Uh, no. Uh, it got beaten this year in 2022, actually. Um, so I set um, an Olympic record. And so in the qualify, qualifying round, round and in the semifinal, I was second, which I was going to go in the final. But something happened. You know, like when you see your life go slow, it's like, and I had the thought, don't fall. I clicked my skate by myself together and I fell in that last corner um, and I didn't make it to the, to the final. I think I would, I strongly believe that I would have been on the podium in that event if uh, that didn't happen. Uh, it was hard on the moment, but I think it's, it's short track. I think that's, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's what it is. And it's nobody's fault. It's really me who like click my skate. And that was my mistake, I guess. And, um, but in every event, uh, that I went to um, in Sochi, I would say is my best performance Olympic, uh, where I finished six in the thousand meter where I fell. I finished six also in the fifteen hundred meter, and I finished nine uh, in the five hundred meter. But in mostly the fifteen hundred meter and the thousand meter, this is where I I had a chance. Uh, I had a shot to win a medal. I didn't, but it was like all great races, and. Unfortunately, in the in in the Pyeongchang in 2018, um, I was doing gr- great. Like in World Cups, I was winning medal, and I would say that I arrived probably at my peak of my career there. On the first day of uh, arriving in the in Pyeongchang, the site were not completely uh, for the training site was not completely uh, done. They needed to put like some pads over like some edges. And I was just looking around and like, try, just trying to, to find like 
what's the way to go on the other side of the the oval and uh, unfortunately i rolled my ankle and i had a pretty bad sprain so i ended up skating at the games i skated the the, the final in the relay where we finished third but often uh, uh unfortunately got disqualified and i skated my thousand meter and my 1500 meter also got disqualified in every event so basically Pyeongchang, I got disqualified in every event. Pyeongchang but, sucked, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> it was tough. It was a tough uh, Olympics, and uh, I always tried to see the positive and just like take what 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 good was what was good from these games, and just like try to move on, like live the emotion, but also like try to move on as as fast as possible. I mean, like that's the way that I'm trying to live. <laughs> So with the disqualification, though, what, what happened there? And can you protest in short track? Because it always seems to be a sport where they're like, boom, penalty, you're out, done, suck it up at short track. I mean, are there appeal yeah. sections you can do? I know there was an appeal for the relay uh, because it was not a written rule why we got disqualified, but it was a written rule the season after. Um, so basically it's... Because we fell in that relay, uh, and a lot of team fell. And uh, so we were a lap behind, and we were doing an exchange. And the, the finish happened between the Korean and the Chinese. And they considered that our Canadian was too close from the finish line in the inside. And they said that it could have affected the result of the race. Could have, which was so kind it, of not like, even oh a, my not God, even you... a did a could have. Wow. Yeah. Jeez. And like, we don't believe it. It it would have changed anything. So it was just. You can like... say it though. It's bullshit. You can say it. It's bullshit. Yeah, yeah it was bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> You're not in short track and anymore. You don't need to worry about them. <laughs> now they painted a line in the middle of the oval uh, of the rink where that this skater is going to take an ex- exchange that cannot cross. Wow. So it's like Jeez. super specific, like super clear, yeah. Because China got disqualified too, right? So the Dutch won the bronze by winning the B final, which I've always questioned, what the hell is the point of a B final? But, I mean, is that the point of a B final? If everybody gets disqualified, they win the medals. They won the medal, yeah. That was a hard one. That was hard to uh, digest. And, I mean, in a sense, like if you're – like I'm a fair play like skater. Like I, I'm not trying to – um to uh, say bad things about other team i think like sport is sport but i think like the dutch as hard as it is and it is like to say because i was like in that final uh the dutch actually like skated the olympic record like they were the fastest in that competition uh so good on them like i think like in that sense like they did earn that medal well four years later it's a bit of a different story we can talk a little bit more positively now of course that's when the switch came to long track ultimately you go to win a gold medal which i mean it's just insane to think that through everything you were talking about before the the differences the training to get from that point to another olympics in a different sport winning a gold medal i always love hearing that moment of crossing the line realizing you've won the gold obviously it's in short track you're battling the clock so it's kind of it's there but can you put that into words now that it's been a few months since you won that gold or are you still digesting that moment when you took the gold in beijing <laughs> um that that gold in the in, in beijing is really uh 
like I, I feel that it's like um I feel that it's almost like a redemption of like or of my journey a little bit of like I'll, I always like chase uh the success in short track um like I won gold medals in in short track but like it, they're so hard to get because you're doing so many races and um I we are we often says about me that I have like gold medal habit but it's always like it's like yeah that's good that you have that but you still don't have a gold medal you know like it's like uh in a sense it's beautiful to have that but you need to have the hardware um around your neck and I think that's that's the feeling that I had in short track that I was doing all the right things like in my thinking and the position and the quality that I have like and I I feel that at some point it's like okay I think I've reached my potential and like that's why I switch and when I changed over to long track I was just like trying to be the best athlete as possible and just like even though I have all the background I was just like I'm here to learn I didn't know where was the starting line I didn't know what was like where's the finish like teach me long track speed skating and it was an amazing like experience to just like looking back like obviously it was it I had my my challenges and my doubt and just like what am I doing here but it was like a great like learning about me as an athlete but also as a person of like I didn't know if I would be successful in long track so like uh it was important for me to define who am I outside of the sport because I the only thing that I did is for for 25 years sk skating is in circle like what can I what am I outside of the sport and what if like uh, next year I'm I'm not skating like what I'm gonna do so on that side also I, I had to learn a lot and it was a process that made me skate just like more freely and um building a team again like a in the team pursuit I think uh I had the opportunity to skate with other girls that uh, we get to know each other and like me uh, bringing what I knew from short track, how do we get better together? But at the same time, the only person that you can control is you. And so when we crossed the line in Beijing, it was just like a mix of emotion. Like I was just like, I want to go to Beijing and with the feeling that I've done everything in my position to just like do the best performance, whether it's, we knew we could win gold, but like, you don't know what's going to happen. And it's just, mm -hmm. and with COVID it added like an extra like thing of like staying healthy. And I just didn't want to have any regrets. So whatever happened, that's a gold, it's a silver, it's a bronze. If we did the best we had, if we gave the best we had, what can we do? Like we were not the fastest on that day. And having that, like when we cross the line, you always have also the, the feeling in a race of just like, because we're not racing against like the other team on the other side, you just need to be the fastest. And me, I'm behind Isabel was six foot two. So I'm just like in her butt. <laughs> and just like the only thing that I see is just like, her bum, my hand, and just like we push. <laughs> and um, I don't know where we are. 
And when we cross the line, it's just like, I push the hardest, like every corner as, as hard as I can. And just like, there's no comfort zone. Particularly when you're and someone's bot. <laughs> it's a pretty good looking one. I'm like, well, hey, I mean, there's that, that, a positive, right? If you've got a good looking butt <laughs> in front of you and you're about to win Olympic gold, you can't complain. But um, yeah. how many sports are at an Olympics and you, you're happy that you're in someone's butt? So, okay. Yeah. And uh, when we cross the line, I'm going to finish my story at some point. Uh, <laughs> Isabel looked at me and she just said, we won. And like from there, it was just like a tons of emotion. Like when I said that I cried a lot in, in Beijing, it's like at the end of the, the night, I felt dehydrated because I cried so much. Like it was just like wow. an emotional night of just like not, not only winning gold, because I feel that four years ago, I never expected to win gold in long track speed skating. And for me, it was just like, just going to go try it and see where it goes. And, and, uh, but it was just like the whole like journey of like developing myself and trying, like just trying to be the best, my best self, like as an athlete, and bring everything that I know, but also sharing it, accepting also like the the critique, like how to get better, try to fix like the old habit from uh, the old habit from uh, from short track is just like a lot of process of like being humble and like push your ego on the side and just like tell me what to do and I'll just do it without questioning it and. So it was like I'm really I'm really proud of my of my transition. I think it was the most important uh part of my career because and probably like up to this day, like in my life of just like learning so much and just like proving myself so much of what I can do. What what an incredible story. And it's just I mean, even you saying that four years prior, you could have never imagined that that's where you, you would be. And I also just want to point out in the semifinal. You beat the Dutch. You beat Irene Voss. I mean, that's like if you switch to tennis tomorrow and you beat Serena Williams in a semi-final. Like, I mean, that's just insane that you can go out of your way to beat the GOAT. Does that add a little bit of extra <laughs> weight to that gold medal? That that's You didn't beat him in the final, but you still knocked them out on the way to that gold medal. Yeah, I would say that I, it's like, obviously, yes, I was like, I was, and we were like really proud to, to, to beat I, Irene. But I mean, like, it's also like, it's a team, like it's a team effort. And I think like, as for us, we did work a lot into uh, the team pursuit of like, we have three different skater, Isabel, Evany and I, and where we're all like, we have like different strength and uh, weaknesses that we really work together to how do we develop a strategy for us that will work for us. And I think at the games we were, we had like a, a strategy that we were the only one doing. And like we, we did mistakes. Like I think our race was not perfect, but I think like we proved that we can have like a, a foot difference in like the height of skater. And it, because I'm mentioning that because like so many like journalists asked, us that that question is just like i 
and now nowadays like we're talking so much about like uh, the accepting your body and like accepting like the way you are and i think like we're proving it of just like you don't need to be all the same shape to perf- to be performing like if you find like your way of like working you can be successful yeah absolutely crazy to think uh questions that just trend right over little trivial things as well it's sort of you know this isn't exactly something you've gone out of your way to do well i i want to be shorter than someone like that doesn't quite work that way (laughs) kind of how that Mm -hmm. works so absolutely incredible with with your medal win as i said at the very top one of only four olympians to win medals in both the short and long track and i believe uh ruslan did it as well in beijing so joined you there so you're the first canadian to do it uh, which which is an insane. So more people have walked on the moon than have won medals in both short track and long track at the Olympic Games. So you can use that maybe in your sort of motivational Shit. speaking or whatever you do, future. So more people have walked on the moon than what I have done and achieved at the Olympic Games. I've never seen it that way. Wow. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's you obviously don't go into long track to set a record like that, but it must mean a lot to know that this is a very rare club that people have won medals in both short and long track yeah and like i didn't know that fact before going to uh to the olympics and um i think like if you ask every olympian like are you why are you doing the sport and i don't think that any of them will tell you it's for the record or it's for the the special mention that you'll get at the end of the of your career i think it's uh I think most of it is just like part of the journey and um, obviously make it like a little extra, like a special, like it's all like cherry on top for sure of just like, of just like being a little bit more special. <laughs> I, I feel that I said a lot special. But. Yeah, well, I, I I definitely think you should. That, that is very much there. Uh, we're going to wrap up with a set of fun get to know yourself questions in just a moment, Valerie. Just a couple of things I want to touch on. I'm sure you get asked this a thousand times since the Olympics, but is there a five-time Olympian in you? Are you going to Milan? I mean, kind of what's the what's the journey now between now and 2026? Uh, I'm going to tell you probably the classic answer of like I'm going one year at a time. Uh, uh, but uh, there's a part of me that, yes, I think it's possible. Which I, I read between the lines. You're going to listen to your dad and by 2026 you're going to be lining up alongside Natalie Spooner and the girls and you're going to be winning gold for Team Canada <laughs> Hockey to fulfil this rare distinction of winning three different sports. Like, I mean, you know, that's what you're no saying. Chance. No <laughs> chance. Not quite, not quite going that way. The one nope. that I also wanted to mention too, Canada... Maybe uh, I'll sorry, be a the, diver. Hey, well, there you go. You got a little bit less time to Paris, but maybe LA or Brisbane, twenty thirty two. Come to Australia and compete. Yeah, in, in I, that. Could, I could. You'd do be a forty by then. That's that's fine. You know, <sighs> plenty of time. No, I need kids. <laughs> <laughs> ah, plenty, plenty of mothers win gold medals at the Olympics, <laughs> Valerie. Come on. Uh, we mentioned uh, at the top, and I wanted to quickly ask you about this inline skating you did at the Pan Ams in twenty fifteen. So speed inline skating. I'm always fascinated about the roller sports. The more and more speed skaters we get on the show and the more I learn about roller sports, I want to see it at the Olympics. But can you give us a brief sort of, uh, you know, memories of, of Toronto 2015, home country in inline speed skating? Yeah, it was a, well, it was a really different experience. And 
I think like I got there my little uh, summer Olympics experience uh, <laughs> where I met like a lot of different sport. Uh, summer athlete have different habit than the winter athlete. And just like first is just like you're wearing shorts and like people are, uh, you're like, you're really like less, less layers of, uh, <laughs> of clothes. Um, and I always felt after every Olympic experience, like after every Olympic cycle to do something a little bit different because you get so much into like your focus and like as the game arrive, like you're really like more focused and like, uh, you close your eyes and just like focus on the one thing and to start an Olympic cycle I always like to just do something else for fun and just like it's it's the first summer that now after the Olympics that I'm training like full-time into my sport and this is after 2014 this is how I picked up the inline speed skating and uh, the the Pan Am games were in Toronto at home. Uh, so I was just like, yeah, I think I, I would like to try to qualify for that and have a different experience. I think inline speed skating, short track speed skating, it's similar enough. Like, so it was like a good, like, um, it was a good like way to train differently. And um, I was not going to win any medals there, but it was just like really enjoying the experience and train in a different way. And just like, yeah, enjoy a different experience, I guess. Which which I'm calling this now. You are switching sports into diving or hockey because this is what you do after every Olympics, you know. Uh, Sochi, <laughs> you switched to inline speed skating. Uh, you know, Pyeongchang, you switched to long track. I mean, this is this is just what you do, Valerie. So, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe I'm training in something else. I'm just, I cannot yeah, just, just We don't get yet. the exclusive today. You're not quite ready to announce it. It's <laughs> fine. We'll try and uh, get it out of you by the end. The other thing I want to touch on too, uh, we mentioned this off air and for our video uh, audience right now, the, the mascots behind you. So you collect these at different events. I can see Bing Dwen Dwen, of course. But so yep. where, where did this idea come about? Was it just you go to your first multi-sport event, go cool, going to get a mascot and the, the trend just kind of kept going from there? No, I, I uh, actually like I, I have it's it's my it's my fiance who's also an Olympian who was keeping all of the mask mascot and I guess like as a team we just like uh, kept them. Uh, I gave a few to my godson, uh, the one from Vancouver, um, and do I have I have Pyeongchang? I don't have Sochi there either. Um, well, you got being Dwen. That's yeah. the main thing because they sold like hotcakes, right? So, did you get that before they all sold out? Yeah, we got Smart. it like the first day that we arrived at the Olympics, and uh, we didn't know it would go crazy for them. But uh, yeah. yeah, well, you got the better one. I didn't though. You get got the it medal off like the black one. market. <laughs> Yeah, it's upstairs. <laughs> <laughs> you did, you did. Which also, actually on that, I haven't asked the standard off the podium question. Your, your medals, do you have them up on display? Are they just kind of hidden in a sock drawer? Like what do you do with the Olympic medals? Uh, right now they're just in the library, um, just in the, in their original boxes. Uh, I'm doing quite a bit of events like this summer, these days. So I'm actually not carrying my medal in the box because it's a little bit boxy and bulky and I'm just like putting it, uh, I roll the, the ribbon and I just put it in the sunglasses, like, uh, <laughs> uh like an Oakley sunglasses, like sleeve. And it's just like hanging in there in like a cosmetic bag. Like it's really like homemade like thing. 
not, not, not condoning theft, but I would love it if all of a sudden somebody took, oh, Oakley sunglasses, great, and they pull out like, oh, shit, it's an Olympic medal. These aren't sunglasses. Oh, well, I'll return yeah, it. nothing to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, God, I can't, I can't protect my vision from sun glare with those. What, what <laughs> purpose is an Olympic gold medal? I, I, I feel like sometimes that question can get a bit creepy because it feels like here and off the podium we're just trying to steal Olympians' medals. Like, where do you keep it? Is it in your sock drawer? Where do you live? Uh, that's, I swear yeah. that's not what we're doing. Uh, until you see all the medals that we've hauled over the years. Never mind. Uh, Valerie, we like to wrap it up with a set of get-to-know-you questions. Now, you might have answered these because these were given to Canadian athletes ahead of both Rio and Pyeongchang. And if you did answer these questions, they didn't get published on the website. But do you remember, I mean, I'm sure all the media you did in the lead-up to all your Olympics, do you ever remember answering a questionnaire that involved drawing at all? Nope. No? Okay, well, maybe you didn't do this one. I'm, I'm using the questionnaire here we're using for a uh, former teammate of yours, Samuel Girard. So um, he, I can compare your answers to him. And if you want to draw, you don't have to, but if you want to, you can draw here a picture of yourself, a picture of one of your teammates, uh, and a picture of your favourite animal. So homework, you can send it in to us afterwards. So don't have to, it's so fine. You, so you want me to draw now? I, well, I mean, if you want to, while you're answering this question, sure. I don't know if we've ever had someone do it live on air, but if you if you don't want to do it now, do it afterwards and flick it to me in a message and we can put it up on our social media. So entirely okay. up to you, entirely up to you. Yeah, Samuel's done all right. He's a good drawer. Yeah, better after. Okay. But Samuel's good at drawing. I like his pictures here. But I, anyway, start with the first question for you today. Your favourite Olympic moment of all time is, and you're allowed to answer your own if you want to. Oh, do you, do you have any choices now or? No, no, this is, this is you. This is, I mean, I can tell you Samuel's answer, but this is entirely your opinion. No right or wrong answers here. Um, I would say the gold medal uh, in the men's team pursuit in Vancouver 2010. Um, this is a moment that I, that I saw long track speed skating for the first time and that I really thought that it was a nice uh, event and to compete and that, but like kind of a seed in my mind of like, I would maybe like to do long track one day. Fantastic. And should mention your, of course, gold in, in Beijing uh, was the first time the Canadian women had, of course, won the uh, that event as well. So uh, extra yeah. history to add weight to that as well. Uh, Sam, by the way, answered uh, men winning 5,000 meter relay at uh, Vancouver. So similar-ish answers, the Vancouver golds, they mean a little bit more. If you right. could have any superpower, what would it be? Um, hmm. I think I would like, it's like, I feel like it's a classic one, but I, I, I feel I would love to fly mm -hmm. just because I get really in, impatient, like driving into traffic. Uh, <laughs> now I just got a electric bike and like, I feel that I never get my way fast enough somewhere because I'm really often like last minute and I wow. don't like to be late. There you go. Flying would help with that. I think. Beat yep. all that traffic, essentially. Uh, your favorite sports movie is? Ooh. Um, uh, I just forgot the title. Um, you can give me some clues. You know, like when they do like bobsled in the Calgary. Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. There we go. Cool Runnings. Yes. yes. And there's speed skating <laughs> in Cool Runnings. There's like that montage and you see the speed skaters go past them on the bobsled. So brief. Yeah. And it's vision. actually like in the, they filmed the, the movie, like part of it or the whole, I think the whole thing in, in Calgary. 
-hmm. and um, we can see our uh, high performance director just like passing behind. He was an actor in that time uh, when they filmed nice. uh, wow. the movie. <laughs> I, I do know, here's a fun fact for you. Um, Colin, I mentioned before, our, our co-host, he lives in Winnipeg. And when I first visited him in Winnipeg, they apparently filmed the bar scene at a bar in Winnipeg. And just prior to me visiting him for the first time, they'd knocked the bar down. And I'm like, well, why am I in Winnipeg? I'm only here to see the bar that they filmed Cool Runnings in. And it had gone. <laughs> so, um, hmm. yeah, that was disappointing. Well, right? That should have been that. a landmark in Winnipeg, the Cool Runnings bar. <laughs> Jeez, what's going on there? Um, your funniest childhood memory is... I don't know if it's the funniest, but it's at least like a one that I tell often. Do you like that? Do you know that I, my favorite thing to eat? And I think non-officially, I'm probably the uh, the creator of that thing. <laughs> I love ham and banana sandwich. And ham the story and, is well, that okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's a combination. <laughs> yeah, I love sweet and salty. Like I was telling yeah. you about my breakfast. You did, yeah. And you did. Um, we often say, like in 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 uh, the story, like about my childhood, like I was really picky as a kid, and like I was often eating like a ham sandwich or a banana banana sandwich. And at some point, my dad, the legends say that my dad, <laughs> I asked my dad, "Can you do it both?" <laughs> ham and banana sandwich and now it's like that's what i eat when i need something from home like just comfort food <laughs> look i i am a advocate for combining foods that shouldn't be combined so i'm on board i think that sounds weirdly good uh i don't i don't see that being disgusting some people right now are probably going oh that's disgusting but no that's that works so so the trick yeah. is you need, you need to be lightly toasted okay with butter ham on both sides and you kind of trap the banana in thin slices in the middle. Wow. And like you don't want your bread to be too crispy or too thick. Like you need like the classic club sandwich bread, like a square, like nothing fancy, just like. Have you thought about a restaurant? I, like, I mean, just, you know, you could you could sell I, I, Like <laughs> going back to my point about poutine, at one point somebody in Quebec was like, let's put cheese curds and gravy on fries and it took the world by storm. This could be the next poutine from Quebec, Valerie. Come on. Okay, this is a really official podcast, so please call me when you do use yes. that idea. Yes, exactly. <laughs> People listening right now, and uh, that, that is going to take off. It's going to be massive. You, you watch this space. <laughs> um, your favorite pump-up song is? Um, it's High, high Hopes from... Um, oh, I forgot. Yeah. Do I think I, I think I know what you're talking about? Yes, yes, you probably know. It's like super popular. Yeah, and then you can cut on the montage, like. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> Me, uh, my favorite pump pump up question uh, song. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Ask me again. I'm All right, let's try I'm that again. My English. Yeah, <laughs> I'll try and speak French to you right now, Valerie. But I mean, I haven't done it in about twenty years. Um, your favorite pump-up song is? <laughs> uh, it's uh, "High Hopes" uh, oh. from Panic at the Disco. Yeah. Oh wow! I, 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 that's a shocking one. I could have never guessed you would have answered that. Uh, <laughs> I, I but I really practice also my "ha," my "h" before huh. my words. Yeah. Okay. All right. 
thing, things that um, I guess growing up speaking English, I don't under, probably know what you've got to do for that pronunciation side of things. Whereas my French, yeah, like, it's I mean, hard. You know, <laughs> geez, I, I couldn't even I couldn't even imagine to try now. Uh, the most recent TV show you binge watched is um, Virgin River. Ah, how did you find it? Um, oh, just on Netflix, I think. Mm-hmm. Nice. I just and, like and you... uh, it's easy to watch and uh, yeah. And you enjoyed it. And it, yeah, I enjoy it. It just good. Yeah, it's just like you turn your brain off and you just like watch it. And right now, with my fiance, we're watching um, How I Met Your Mother. Right. I watched it years ago, but now we're just like rewatching it and. I, well, now I, mean, I understand I, English a little bit better, so it's, nah. it's great. <laughs> I was going to say, without trying to spoil the ending, do you remember the ending of How I Met Your Mother and, did, did, you know, did you enjoy the ending? No, I don't. Ending? Okay, all right, well, I'm going to spoil it for you then. All right, yeah, no, don't say it. I don't. We'll, we'll skip that question. Um, if you weren't an athlete, what would you be? I think I would love to be a chef. Mm, well, I mean, with your culinary skills that we're discovering in this interview, <laughs> I think that's a given, right? <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, I um, I think because when I was younger, my fun fact, again, that's probably why I was eating ham or banana sandwich. Uh, my parents were not really eating, like, nothing fancy. It was always, like, basic stuff. And, uh, but, hey, like, don't don't get me wrong. I always got fed, like, really well. But, I'm glad. It's <laughs> uh, good. I hope your mom and dad listen I'm, to this interview, by the way. I'm sure they're going to love it. Uh. Oh, she knows. <laughs> always like say things about her. Hi, mom. Hi, dad. <laughs> and she doesn't understand English, so it's perfect. Oh, okay, perfect. Sweet. Well, say what you want. There you go. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and when I moved to Montreal, uh, when I was 17, I kind of discovered a whole new world of food of that I never tried before. And uh, I I signed up in school to do uh, my classes as a dietitian. And I just loved cooking, just loved creating menus. And but I ended up like doing my internship and finding out that I, that's not what I wanted to do. But I think it's partly also, also probably because as an I was an athlete and just like don't have the time to. Uh, it was probably just for my own interest of like discovering food other than just like spending time in the kitchen. Well, just just saying, Valerie, Italy has very good food. So uh, you might have an event in a few years potentially you could go to that could help with that. Just just saying, just putting it out there into the universe. Mm-hmm. Um, your favorite vacation spot is? Um, just along the beach. I just like really love to be in the warm. Um, but I went to Hawaii a couple of years ago and it was, uh, it was beautiful. Just rented a nice Airbnb and... Simple. Just uh, stayed on the North Shore. Yeah, always avoiding the mm-hmm. snow and the cold as, as whenever you can. Obviously, uh, as much as I can. Works. Yeah. What <clears throat> is something people usually describe you as? Ah, mm. uh, what's the word? Uh, one of my best friends, nah, I don't know if I can say that. Um, <laughs> you can say anything on this show. This is off the podium. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I would need to, 
I would need the approval of my my boyfriend upstairs. I don't know. <laughs> sometimes I just feel that sometimes I interpret uh, like my interpretation of things is like a little bit different in like the English word, and it's like no, you should not, no, 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 you should not do that. You, know, you can always say it in French, and then we can just have our French speakers probably understand. I can just see it going, oh, yep, yep, that's completely fine. <laughs> uh, no, but I think I'm just gonna look at the translation here because. <laughs> This is the first time I've ever had somebody want to translate something on this show. This is gold. I love this. <laughs> uh, this needs to happen more often. Uh, uh, <laughs> they say that I'm a gluton. A gluton. Go. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Is that? I, can you say that? That you I, love I, food, like you're just like eating a oh, lot. Oh right. Okay. Glutton. A glutton. Oh, that was my pronunciation. Damn Come it. on, Valerie. Jesus, you, you're nearly there. You're nearly there. I was about to say a gluten. That's that's a new one, but a glutton. Okay, that works. Oh, that works. I'm gonna be so embarrassed watching that again. <laughs> <laughs> don't worry. Don't worry. This will be played a lot now that uh, now that we've gotten this far with it. Um, Love that. Okay. Nothing wrong with a glutton. Glutton's fine. <laughs> glutton's a good thing to be. Let's just say that. Um, I'm going to call it a gluten, though. That that's, that's, it sounds a bit more proper. <laughs> Being a gluten for punishment, that, that works. Um, <laughs> I feel weird asking you this question because you've actually changed sports in the Olympics. But, again, the third one, if you could be an Olympian in any sport other than your own, what would it be? Diving. Diving. We knew the answer no, to that. Or mountain biking. Mount- uh, yeah, okay. Nice. Yeah. Love that watching works. that sport. It's amazing. Looks yeah, fun. You've got time. Again, you've got time. You can change. Um, <laughs> your guilty pleasure, well, I mean, is your guilty pleasure ham and banana sandwiches? I mean, do you have another guilty pleasure? <laughs> I love chips. Chips. Oh, yes. Don't bring or leave chips in my house. Like, I'm going to finish them <laughs> and I always get frustrated after. What what flavor? Like, cause I, I mean, living in Canada, you guys have got some great chip flavors in Canada. So I mean, you got plenty to choose from. Yeah, I think classic barbecue. Mm. Just like yes, like recently the uh, we got like spicy ketchup. It was really good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Colin's mm-hmm. mentioned that a few times. He's talked up the spicy ketchup. So I don't think they quite had that when I was living there. But um, yeah, I mean, you can't go past ketchup. And what's it? Is it the all-seasoned or the all-dressed uh, chips or whatever they're called? They're, they're kind of a good flavor as well. So, um, yeah, Australia's got some catching up to do, I think, when it comes to those flavors. Valerie, before we <laughs> let you go, people want to follow your journey in the lead-up to Milan and everywhere else in between. Uh, social media, where can people check out what you're up to? Um, I'm mostly active on Instagram at uh, V-A-L-E-Val077. <laughs> and uh, is that a James Bond I'm reference? All... Are, are you are you doing that for the Bond love? Or? I tried, but it was already taken, so I had to uh, take something else. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> otherwise, I have. Uh, I'm also on Facebook, and uh, I have my my website ValerieMalte.ca. And and TikTok. I'm always asking the additional TikTok question. Are you are you on there yet? No. Or? No. Okay. No. Not quite. sorry. I think you need to go yeah. there for the ham and the, the banana sandwiches. That would take off on TikTok. Come on. <laughs> Olympic, you know, full-time yeah. Olympian. He's a, he's a nutritional value on TikTok. Do it. I'll think about it. I'll yeah, think you, about it. you could call it like I'm a gluten for ham and banana or something <laughs> like that. <laughs> 007. <laughs> Connect it all. Like. I'm seeing this. Oh, it works out You're perfectly. giving me good ideas, yeah. <laughs> You're welcome. You are absolutely welcome. I'll write welcome. that but down. 
please do. When you're drawing, write it down. Keep the list going. It's 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 ever flowing. Valerie, this has yeah. been such a great time learning about your journey and everything else. Such a fascinating insight into your career, a history making career, and we look forward to seeing you continue that on, whether it be in diving, hockey, mountain biking, or I guess long track speed skating in the future on the Olympics. Thank you very much. It was really fun. Absolute honour to speak to Valerie there. Such a, a lot of fun learning about everything and the uniqueness in transitioning from short to long track. It does sound like it's pretty simple. You go from a shorter track to a longer track, but obviously it's a, a little bit different there. But everything else too, her her journey, her overcoming the disappointment at two of her Olympics to the success at two of her other Olympics and everything else in between. Ham and banana, why not? I'm on board. Having it translated there, uh, I know Colin can't eat gluten, but I don't think he's actually called a gluten for not eating a lot or eating too much is generally how you think about that one there. So, uh, yeah, gluten for punishment. I think we're going to take that uh, to the bank moving forward there. But a massive thanks to Valerie for her time on the show. Such a great chat. And also a big thanks to her management for arranging that interview with us on the show today. If you want to see the video version of that chat with Valerie, of course, off the podium on YouTube is where you can find that as well as all our other great video interviews along the way. A couple of other speed skaters that we've got on there as well. So uh, be sure to check that out and subscribe to the podcast on all good podcast platforms, wherever you download your podcast, we are available. Love to hear what you think of the show. As always, remember to like and subscribe us along the way. Same on social media outside of YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're on there. You know it. I'm sure you've already subscribed, but we obviously appreciate it if you haven't to uh, jump on there to subscribe along the way. And we always appreciate the support and messages. If you want to let us know what you think of Valerie or any of our other interviews, we would definitely be uh, appreciated if you could let us know. Next episode, it's a clip show. It's our 300th episode. So we'll be playing the best bits of all of our episodes in between episode 250 and 300. So you're going to hear a whole bunch of great interviews as well as best bits from our coverage of both the Birmingham Commonwealth Games and the Qatar World Cup and other bits that we have brought you there. So we always like bringing you a great little clip show. So uh, stay tuned for that. And also stay tuned for some more great interviews coming your way after that. Ice hockey is back. It's been a long time since Sammy Joe Small. So we're back into ice hockey with another Olympic champion, if you don't mind. So stay tuned for that. We're going to go back to swimming with another Olympic champion in swimming in a few more weeks' time. And as I've teased a lot, and I'm going to keep teasing till we get there, we are returning. Well, actually not returning. We're debuting. Ben, get it right. The sport of soccer, football, whatever you want to call it, wherever you are in the world, with another Olympic champion. So basically, after our best of, we have a few Olympic champions in a row for you. Olympic gold medalists coming down your speakers. Fantastic to bring you those here and off the podium, and we are very excited for you to be able to hear them. Massive thanks again to Valerie for her time and for everybody who has tuned in to the show today. We appreciate it, as always. We love having you here, and we love bringing you these episodes to your ears. My name is Ben. This has been Off the Podium. Shout out to the Birmingham Bull, as always. Remember to go left and fizzle dizzle. When the stars make it through, just like pasta fuzzle, some water. When you dance down the street with the cloud at your feet, you're in When you walk in a dream 
But you know You're not dreaming Senor Excuse me But you see Back in old Napoli That's amore Oh 